Let's look at our lesson. We're in lesson 18. We're going to look at chapter 9 today of Daniel's prophecy, and we're going to see, we're going to look at, we're going to take it in two weeks, we're going to look at the 77s, or Daniel's 70 weeks, okay? So today we're going to focus specifically on verses uh, 1 through 19, I believe. Okay, 1 through 19. And uh, let's take a look at these verses together. First of all, we're going to see the occasion. This is another dream that Daniel has. And uh, I want you to see uh, what he is talking about here in verses 1 to 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ashuarius, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, undertook by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. Okay, so let's, let's take a look here and see what's going on here. First of all, Daniel has a dream in the first year of Darius's reign, which would have been 539 B.C. So Darius is a Mede, so which empire are we talking about now? We just had the Babylonian Empire. What's after the Babylonian Empire? Persian. So Daniel is in the first year of the Babylonian Empire, specifically their rule in the kingdom of the Chaldeans, which would be the Babylonian kingdom. So this is their rule over Babylon. Now, this was 66 years after Daniel was taken into exile. Remember, he was taken into exile as a teenage boy. So this is 66 years later. The first year is 66 years later. So he obviously was in the Babylonian kingdom for quite a long time, 65 years. That's a long time, isn't it? Okay. So this is 66 years after that. What's taking place now is 66 years after that. And what we see from the text here is, is that Darius was the ruler over Babylon. Okay, so Darius was the ruler over Babylon. Now, Daniel was seeking something here in verse 2. He understood from, from the text, and specifically the text that he's talking about here would probably be Jeremiah. Daniel understood the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem. So he understood that... Jerusalem was going to be desolate for 70 years, okay, for 70 years. Now, how did he understand that? He understood this through the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. He understood this through the writings of the prophet Jeremiah. So he's obviously reading the scripture and he's paying attention. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 25. Where specifically is he talking about here? It's Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12. So if you're in Daniel, you just go back a few books. I think it's Ezekiel. Then you'll come to Lamentation Jeremiah, I believe. Okay? Jeremiah. And look at verse 11 and 12. And look at what it, look what Jeremiah wrote. 
Now, this is before Jeremiah lived right before and during the fall of Jerusalem. Okay? So, look at what he says here. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And the nation shall serve the, Kirk, the king of Babylon. And the nation shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Then it will come to pass that when the seventy years are complete, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. All right, now, if you go back a few more books, you don't need to go there. Listen to what Second Chronicles 36.21 says. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah, that until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, as long as she lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath to fulfill the 70 years. Now, what's going on here? Well, the thought is, is that in the Old Testament, God said that they would have six years of just regular time, and then the seventh year would be, in the Jewish nation, a year of jubilee. And that's where they would let the land rest, they would release the slaves from their bonds, and it would be called a year of jubilee. Now the problem was is that in the history of the Jews, they never kept the year of jubilee. They never allowed the land to rest. And so part of God's judgment against them because of their sin when he destroyed Jerusalem was is that he would allow the land to rest for those forgotten years of Jubilee, which were 70 years. Now, the Jeremiah passage tells us that the completion of those 70 years, or when that 70 years would come to a completion, was when um, Babylon would be destroyed, okay, by the Chaldeans, obviously. I mean, the, the, the kingdom of the Chaldeans would be made desolate. And so we see there he understood that the time's drawing near for them to go back, okay? Because remember, where's Daniel's heart, is it? Is he just focused on himself? No, he's focused on his people, which are the Israelites, okay? He's focused on his people. So what we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at here today is, in this section, is Daniel's prayer. Next week, we're going to look at the angel Gabriel coming to him, and the explanation of the 70 weeks, okay? We're going to see that next week. So let's look, first of all, at verse 3 through 19. I'll read these to you, and then we'll go through this, and we'll see Daniel's prayer, because he's obviously wanting to know what's going to happen now, because he recognizes the 70 years is drawing to a close. Now, does everybody understand that kind of feeling? If you had an obligation... Let's say you were uh, you were obligated. Like I remember when I, I was in the National Guard, I was in for six years, and I, so I was I, I, towards the end of it. I was getting kind of tired of it. Okay, but the problem is I'm obligated for my six years. So one year goes by, two years, three. As I'm getting closer to my end time, do you, do you guys know what it means to short time it? Okay, maybe you've done that at work. You're short timing it. You're facing retirement or whatever. You, but there's also some anxiety going on there as far as what? What's going to happen next? Right? How many of you have been there? What's going to happen next? Okay? This is where Daniel's at. 
Except Daniel's thinking not just from his perspective of himself. He's thinking from the perspective of his people, Israel, and the holy city, Jerusalem. Okay? So let's look at his prayer here. Look with me at verse... Uh, look at verse 3 through 19. Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God to make confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servant, servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is to this day, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those near and those afar off, and all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of our Lord, the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as to not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out against us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though he d we have not obeyed his voice. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O oh Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins, for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayers of your servant and the supplications and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in this city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O oh Lord, hear. 
O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Quite an impassionate prayer there, don't you think? Now, I want you to, I want you to notice something here about Daniel's prayer. Whose sins is he confessing here? Yeah, Israel, now, does he include himself in that? Yeah, what you're going to see here is that oftentimes throughout Scripture, there is not just a sense of individual sin that we're responsible for, but there's also a, a sense of that we're responsible for the whole nation. So, for instance, okay, let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, Okay. When you look at our community or when you look at our nation, if there are things going okay, do you think we're doing great by the Lord? Okay. But here's the dangerous thing that can happen. You could say, well, I'm only responsible for myself. That's an American attitude. That's not a biblical attitude. The Bible attitude says when you pray, you don't just pray for yourself for forgiveness for yourself. Constantly throughout the scripture, there is this, there's the aspect of interceding for your people. So do you pray for your community? Okay. Do you pray for their forgiveness? God forgive them? In fact, isn't that what we hear when Jesus, when he's suffering at the hands of the community, Stephen, when he's suffering at the hands of the community, what is he praying? He's praying a prayer of intercession. Forgive them for what? They don't know what they're doing. Okay. So this is, this is the emphasis I want you to see that's in Scripture. So oftentimes we want to use what we're enculturated by in our culture. Because in America we are individualistic, are we not? Okay? It's all about you achieving. Okay? In fact, the greatest example of that is what we're going to be watching tonight. Okay? It's going to be difficult for me. I don't know who to cheer for. Somebody tell me who I need to cheer for, okay? Nobody knows, okay? But the reality is, is so you're going to hear... It's going to be, is this Peyton Manning time or, you know, all of these things. It's all about individualism in our culture. A lot of other cultures, especially the biblical culture, they were not focused on them individually. They were focused on community relationships, and we see that here. So, so what I want you to see is Daniel's prayer is a great example to us of, not, of, of praying for others of praying for what we belong to, of praying for our people and stuff, because he's definitely concerned. So he makes a decision here in verse 3 to pray. So Daniel made a firm decision to set himself to prayer and fast in humiliation. And when it talks about him being in sackcloth and ashes, that basically is a, is a symbol. They, it was a physical symbol that they would do. They would put on, like how many of you, Seen a burlap sack lately? Okay. Be kind of like closing your, clothing yourself in a rough burlap sack. You, that's kind of about the latest fashion these days. But then what you would do is, is you would pour ashes on your head as a symbol of shame. So it was, it was basically when you saw somebody in sackcloth and ashes, they were publicly humiliating themselves. Okay. Now, again, in our culture, we're not into public humiliation. Okay. We're not into that at all. In their culture, it was very much important, and especially if, as an exercise to show the Lord that you were humbling yourself, okay, to show the Lord. So what he's doing is, is he's decided to humble himself, 
and to pray and to fast. Okay? To fast. And that's to withhold food from himself. And he's done that before. We're going to see that here in, in other areas. In chapter 10, we're going to see that he has a certain type of fast that he does. So then notice now, here's what his prayer is. First of all, we're going to notice in verse 4 that he makes an acknowledgement. Daniel acknowledges God as great and awesome. So he spends some time worshiping. First thing he does when he prays is he spends some time worshiping. And, and what he does is when he goes to God, he recognizes he's not talking to Bubba. We, we have a tendency to do that in our churches today is to, to reduce God down to our friends so much that it's, it's like talking to Bubba. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not talking to Bubba when you're talking to God. You're talking to the creator of the universe. Yes, he's your friend. He chooses to be your friend. And that's a great friend to have. But there's a sense in which you recognize who he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, like, I try to have a friendship with my kids, okay? But I'm still who to my kids? I'm still dad, okay? There's some authority with dad. And, and you know, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So that it's the same type of thing here, all right? God is the one. Here's what he's doing. He's acknowledging who God is. So remember, this is, and he does this, I think, for twofold reasons. He wants to remind God of who he is, but he also needs to remind himself of who God is. God is the one who keeps covenant with those who love and obey him. This is what Daniel prays to the Lord. He's like, Lord, you're the one who keeps covenant with those who, who follow you and who love you. So Now, why is he doing that? Number one, it's not so much to remind God. God already knows that. Okay, but number two, it's so that Daniel knows that when he's praying, it's to strengthen his faith. I'm talking to the one who will hear me. I'm talking to the one who who has made a covenant with those who love him, and I love him, and I obey him. So I'm talking to the one who, so he's reminding himself when he's praying of all that God has done for him. So let me give you an example of what that means when you and I pray. Okay, let's take the issue of confession. All of us mess up, okay? All of us sin. Bottom line, period. Nobody's perfect. Everybody understand that? Nobody's perfect. Don't ever think that, okay? All of us mess up. Now, here's what happens, though. When you mess up and you know you mess up in your heart, a couple things happen. Number one, you're sheepish about going to God, so you, you don't go to God, okay? Because you're sheepish, because you're like, well, you know you messed up. He knows you messed up. Does he love me? Okay? Number two, if you do decide to go to prayer, you spend a lot of time begging for forgiveness. Oh, God, please forgive me. I messed up again. And God, how can you ever forgive me? How can? And we will pray prayers. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying you do that, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Guys, that's ignorance on our part, because usually what happens is is we don't know who we're dealing with. What do you mean, George? Like Daniel, we maybe sometimes when we pray need to remind ourselves about who God is. What do you mean? Well, let's take the issue of, of confession. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he, that's talking about God, 
is what if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He, God's faithful, you need to remind that if I confess, if I go to him and make my confession, God, I messed up. I sinned against you. I need to remind myself that God's going to be faithful to me to what? Forgive, but not just forgive. Cleanse. Do you understand? Remove it. And sometimes we've got to be reminding ourselves about who God is. Okay, that's just the issue of confession. What about the issue of when you're going through a need? This is why it's so important for you to be into your word, to understand who God is and what God has said for you. So if you're going through a need right now, God, I'm going through this struggle right now. I'm going through this difficult issue. How do I face this? Lord, in James you said, if I lack wisdom, I can come to you and you'll grant it to me. Lord, I need wisdom right now to know how to get through this because I'm staying up at, I'm staying up at night and I can't sleep because I'm constantly worrying about it. Lord, you said in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing. Lord, right now I'm pretty anxious. But in all things, through what? Prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, I need some peace right now. I'm in the midst of it. Did you see why it's so important for you to get in God's word to remember so that it affects your prayer? This is what he's doing when he's acknowledging. Okay, he's acknowledging that God is the one who keeps covenant with those who love and obey him. Let's go on. So here's what Daniel does. The next thing he moves to is the issue of confession. He confesses that they've sinned and departed from God's commandments. Guys, you and I need to get to the place where we just need to regularly understand that confession needs to be a part of our life when we're talking about approaching God. Because so oftentimes we can get we can just ignore it. Well, you can't ignore it. God knows that. And that, you know, if here's the thing. So many times in the scripture it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. That's Psalm, it's in the Psalms, I think it's 60 or 66. Okay? Here's another one, guys. In in 1 Peter chapter 3, I think it's verse 10, it talks about how I should treat my wife or if I don't treat her right, it says he'll not hear my prayers. I mean, it's that specific. Okay? It's talking about the issue of sin. You've got you to be doing right. Okay? So the reality is, is I'm not going to do right. I'm going to stumble. So I need to cultivate within me a, a culture of confession to God when I go to him. I just need to be up front with him. And this is what Daniel is doing. Daniel confesses, not just for himself, but as a people, they've sinned and departed from God's commandments. And here's the other thing he confesses. He confesses that they've not heeded God's prophets. See, God God didn't just put a book there. He put a book. He gave them people to help them understand the scriptures, the law, and to warn them. Those were the prophets, and they didn't even heed them. So he confesses that. He confesses that they did not heed the prophets. And here's what he acknowledges. Daniel acknowledges that they have been unfaithful in their actions towards God. 
Okay, let me ask you a question. Nobody raise your hand. We don't need to know this, but you need to ask yourself this question. Because maybe you've never thought of this question. I want you to think about your week. Okay? I'm going to think about my week. Have you been faithful in your actions towards God? Wow. Never thought of it that way, George. Have you been faithful? Has, has, yesterday, have you been faithful in yesterday in your actions towards God? What do you mean my actions towards What are you talking about, my actions towards God? How you live your life, that's your actions towards God. Have you been faithful? Most of us don't operate. We just operate by whatever we're feeling, whatever we're thinking, doing whatever we want to do. Because we're individualistic. We're Americans. I don't answer to nobody. Yeah, you do. You answer to God. You answer to God. we got to grasp that point. So Daniel, what he does here is he acknowledges that they've been unfaithful in their actions. Now, here's what, it, here's what, here's what he does. He acknowledges the curse that Moses wrote has been placed upon them. He acknowledges the curse that Moses wrote has been placed upon them. What curse? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 28... Verses 15 through 68. You can read that on your, those are in your notes. You can read that on your own. You'll see specifically that there was a curse that was uttered in the very beginning of the nation that if they did not follow the Lord, if they did their own thing, guess what was going to happen? He was going to take them to the woodshed, literally. Did you understand what I'm saying? And he fulfilled it. God fulfilled his word in doing that. So let me ask you a question. Sometimes we face things. I hear people all the time, they'll say this, oh, man, the devil's been really hard on me. He's been really attacking me. Well, are you sure it's the devil? Because maybe it's the Lord. Okay? And the reason why he's coming after you is because you're not being obedient. Because Hebrews tells us he what? He scourges every son that he loves. He's like a loving father. Is he going to let you go do your own thing and mess up your life? I mean, no. He's going to intervene at some point, okay? And so he's acknowledging that, you know, God, we did our own thing for a while, and so now we're facing the consequences that you told us we would face. You're punishing us for what we've done wrong, okay? For what we've done wrong. Here's the other thing. Daniel acknowledges that God is righteous in all his judgments upon them. Wow, how can you say that? Because you ever, you ever felt like even if you realize it is God that's, that's whooping you, okay? Our tendency is to think, well, man, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this kind of punishment. I don't deserve my dad cracker down on me like that. Isn't that our attitude to him? I think dad was kind of a little too harsh on me. And that's our natural tendency that comes out of our humanness. But Daniel is acknowledging here, you know what, God, you're righteous. There's no evil in you. And in all of your judgments, you've done right by us. You've done right by punishing us. You've done right by allowing Jerusalem to be destroyed and the temple to be desecrated. Here's what else. Again, Daniel confesses that they have sinned against God. See, this is, 
This is so important for us, and I think it's stressed over and over in the New Testament for you and I, is to, to have in our, a mindset of confession, of being ready to acknowledge that we've done wrong. Now, can I be honest with you? That's the exact opposite of pride. Do you know what I mean? What keeps you from saying you've done wrong? Yeah, pride, okay? Pride. So like, you know, with Lori and I, you know, we've been married 20 years. And, and sometimes there are times when we uh, have intense fellowship. Okay, does everybody understand what that means? We're not talking intimate fellowship, we're talking intense. All right? And a lot of times your pride will hinder you in your relationship, will it not? So let's say I messed up. And she calls me on the carpet for it. My pride won't admit that I messed up or I even did wrong. Does everybody understand? How many other men know what I'm talking about, okay? Or, or ladies, your pride won't admit to him. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Your pride won't allow you to admit to him. And that's pride. That's our natural human tendency. But what Daniel is conveying is something that the scriptures convey to us is that we need to develop a mindset of confession where we're ready to acknowledge, humble ourselves, and acknowledge that we've, we've done wrong. You know what I'm saying? We've got a wrong attitude or we're doing wrong. Lord, we've sinned against you. And this is what Daniel's doing. He's, except he's talking about himself as well as the people Israel, and believe me, they have done wrong. Okay? So, then notice now, he's going to make a supplication. He's going to make a request of God. He's going to request several different things that we're going to see here in verses uh, 16 through 19. So the first thing he's going to say to the, ask God is, he asks that God's anger would be turned away from Israel. God, turn your anger away. Because he understands the reason why they're suffering and enduring what they have been enduring for the last 66 years is because of God's anger. It's not because the Babylonians are mighty. They're just a tool in God's hands. And he recognizes that the reason why they're going through what they're going through is because they have displeased God. So they're asking God, God, don't be angry with us anymore. If you want to write that down, you can write it down that way. Don't be angry with us anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever said that to you? Dad, don't be mad at me anymore. This is what they're talking about there, here, okay? Now, the other request is, is Daniel asked God to bless his sanctuary, which is desolate. He's asking God to bless his sanctuary. Now, to be honest with you, there was nothing left there when the Babylonians left there. Just like there's nothing left there when the Romans left there. In fact, again, can I remind you that the day the Romans destroyed the temple was the day the Babylonians destroyed the temple, to the, the exact day. It's interesting. Is that just a coincidence? I don't believe in coincidences. Okay. But what we see here is, is that he's saying, God, bless your sanctuary. Bless, bless this place. Daniel asked God to see the desolation of Jerusalem and the temple. Why, why do you think he's doing that? 
Why do you think he wants God to, to look at Jerusalem and the temple and how devastated it is? Why do you think he's doing that? Why do you think he's asking that? Okay, that, that could be part of it, Danny. That's a good, that's a good answer. Okay, he's asking God to look. So why is he asking God to look at the situation that's in Jerusalem? Well, yeah, okay, he can't look at sin, so it's not, that's not the reason why. He's turned his attention away from Jerusalem because of their sin. Okay. Okay. All right, okay, that's good, Bruce. Here, here's, here's the point I want you to see, is, is that he's wanting to move the heart of God. Okay? He's wanting God to turn his attention to Jerusalem and just see what kind of devastation they're in to see the condition of the temple, because this was a place called after his what? Name, okay? This is the place that was the, the many times in the Old Testament, it's just, Israel is described as the apple of God's eye, okay? So he's wanting God to turn back his attention and to have, hopefully, move the heart of God back to compassion for his people. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So there's nothing wrong. God, God look at us again. Look at, look at our situation. Okay? That's what he's doing here. So Daniel asked God to forgive and not delay for Israel's sake. So again, he's going to ask God to what? Forgive. Forgive. And here's the other thing. Not delay. What do you mean not delay? God, help us. Don't be delaying and you're helping us. Help us. So that's Daniel's, Daniel's prayer, okay? All right, any questions? Because next week, this is his prayer. So the answer to the prayer is going to be happening next week with the revelation of the 70 weeks, okay? And we're going to see Gabriel coming and helping you to understand that. In fact, in the next lesson, there's a chart at the bottom of your next lesson where I've kind of outlet laid out for you kind of a pattern of what the 70 weeks is. Okay, and we'll discuss that next week. Okay? All right, guys, we got a few minutes before the service starts. Grab some coffee.